you would remain standing, take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 19. John 19, we'll begin our reading at verse 16, read to the end of the chapter. We'll be looking tonight at verses 16 through 28 as we begin considering tonight the crucifixion of our Lord. John 19, beginning at verse 16, hear now the word of God. It is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. So he that is Pilate delivered him over to them be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription. The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier. Also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them and for My clothing, they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. One of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has bore witness, his testimony 
is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth. That you also may believe. These things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again another scripture says they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things Joseph of Arimathea and who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. On the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we looked at the end of of chapter 18 and up through verse 16 of chapter 19. We saw last Sunday night, Jesus before Pilate. We saw the hypocrisy of the Jews as they brought Jesus to Pilate. We saw and heard as Jesus spoke to Pilate concerning his kingdom, the nature of his kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. Then we saw the enmity of the natural man towards God and towards the Lord Jesus Christ. As we've read tonight in verse 16, Pilate delivered him over, handed him over to be crucified. Now we know this concerning the crucifixion. It was the most terrible of deaths. Cicero says the crucifixion was that most cruel and disgusting penalty. Josephus called the crucifixion the most wretched of deaths. It was a death reserved mainly for lower classes, for criminals. And rarely, if ever, was a Roman citizen ever put to death on a cross. But this is the death that the Lord Jesus endured. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And he died the death of a, uh, a common criminal. He who created the universe died on a cruel tree and a death of excruciating pain and torment. He who deserved praise, worship, and adoration from Israel as their Messiah instead received a flogging, nails through his hands and feet, and ultimately death by suffocation. And so we ask tonight, why? Why did the Lord Jesus go through all of this? And the answer is simple. This was the only way in which the justice of God and the the mercy of God could be shown forth at the same time. This was the only way by which sinful man could be reconciled to a holy God. God Himself had to come and become a man and then live that perfect sinless life and then take 
that perfection to the cross and die, suffering the, the judgment and wrath of the Father as the perfect Passover Lamb of God. And so tonight, as we begin looking at the crucifixion, I want us to, to notice three things here this evening. And the first is how the crucifixion was sovereignly ordained by God. John here is presenting to us an eyewitness account. His eyewitness account of the crucifixion. Now how do we know that? Well look at verse 26. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved. Who is that? That is John. And there he was standing nearby. He said to his mother, woman behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. And so John is telling us what he is writing he witnessed. He saw every aspect of the crucifixion and death of our Lord. And so John draws our attention to Scripture and how it was fulfilled. How it was fulfilled in the death of Christ. And we see that four times. First of all, the dividing of Jesus' clothes that are mentioned in verses 23 and 24. The soldiers had crucified Jesus. They took His garments and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. Now this is a fulfillment of Psalm 28 in verse 18, where we read this, They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Arthur Pink says in this, three things come out plainly and are shown plainly to us. First, that God Himself was the master of this whole situation, directing every detail of it to the outworking of His eternal counsels. God was not taken by surprise that His Son would have to go to the cross and die. No, God planned it all. Second, that no word of God can fail. A thousand years before the death of Christ, it was predicted that what we find here, the dividing of the garments of our Lord, that, that, that those garments would be divided and that they would cast lots for them. And then third, that one, the one who hung there on the cross was beyond a shadow of doubt the Messiah of Israel, the one whom the prophets had written about. Now Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm. And in that psalm, it is about the death of the Messiah. And so that's the first scripture and the first part of this where we see that this was ordained by God. But then we hear in verse 28, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the Scripture, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Now this is also a fulfillment of 
another verse in Psalm 22, verse 15. We read there, My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. Now this saying that John brings to us here is the fifth saying of Christ on the cross. And it is followed by by something that is not really brought out here in John's Gospel. And that is this, that this fifth saying of Christ on the cross followed right after the three hours of darkness. It was midday. And the sun was blotted out and Jesus was crucified. He was suffering the wrath of the Father for His people. And during those three hours, the light of God's countenance had been withdrawn from the one bearing our sins. But these words, I thirst, it tells us that this death is real. That He truly suffered. He truly died. We see the intensity, the awful severity of the conflict through which the Lord had just passed. The third way in which Scripture is fulfilled is that not one bone of Christ was broken. We heard of that in verses 31 through 36. In verse 32, the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. And this is a fulfillment of Exodus 12, verse 46. Concerning the Passover, in one house it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside of the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. And so the preservation of Christ's bones was the fulfillment of an ancient type, the, the Paschal, Passover Lamb of God with no bones broken. Here, Jesus is that perfect Passover Lamb of God, and not one of his bones were broken. And then the fourth way that the scriptures were fulfilled is the piercing of Christ's side. In verse 34, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. This verse fulfills both. Uh, Two verses in Zechariah. Zechariah 12, verse 10. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. And then Zechariah 13 and verse 6. And one will say to him, what are these wounds between your arms? He will answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. And so as everything, all that we see here tonight was was given to us in the Old Testament, we understand that we see the sovereignty of God over the death of His Son. He is in absolute control over all of His creatures in every act. The soldiers had received orders to pierce the Savior's side, and, and yet this He did. And had He not, prophecy would have failed, and there would have been no accomplishment of that. But we see that God was in complete control of the situation. And also giving witness to Israel. That the one that they had placed on the cross. Was the Messiah he had promised. 
And then the second thing we see tonight is the crucifixion shows the severity of sin. And we hear and see of that in verses 16 through 18. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the, the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him with two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. We see the severity of sin and the fact that Jesus was handed over and led out of the city. As Calvin states, we must look for righteousness through the satisfaction made by Christ to prove that He is a sacrifice for our sins. He wished both to be led out of the city and to be hung on a tree. Now turn back for a moment to Leviticus chapter 16. In Leviticus 16, we hear of the, the Day of Atonement and what transpired on that day and how all was to, be, all was to take place. And in verse 27, we hear this. And the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place shall be carried outside the camp. Their skin and their flesh and their dung shall be burned up with fire. Why was that important? Well, the sin had to be taken outside the camp. The offering was taken outside. The same with Christ here as He is led outside of the city. Uh, he, he shows us that satisfaction He is making. Now He was making satisfaction for our sin. He had no sin. Again, Pilate tried to release him several times. He could find no guilt in the Lord because there was no guilt. Jesus committed no sin deserving death, no sin at all. But it was our sin that, that hung him on the tree. It was our sin by which he was handed over and led out of the city. But then we see the severity of sin is seen in the fact that Christ bore his cross. What was the cross? It was a tree. A curse is anyone who dies upon the tree. That being a curse, it means that in the sight of God, he is, he is cursed. He is filled with sin. Again, our sin. Jesus bore our sins as he bore his cross. This is what Paul says in, in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Paul writes, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who, ha who is hanged on a tree. And so Jesus carried his cross and showed that, that he was cursed for our sins. But we also see the severity of sin and the fact that Jesus was crucified between 
two criminals. Again, listen to the words of Calvin. He says, as if the severity of the punishment had not been sufficient of itself, he is hanged in the midst of two robbers. As if not only had deserved to be classed with other robbers, but had been the most wicked and the most detestable of them all. And in no other way could our guilt be removed than by the Son of God becoming a curse for us. We see Him driven out into an accursed place as if He had been polluted by a mass of all sorts of crimes. That there He might appear to be a curse before God and men. And so here is the perfect one of God, the Messiah of God, the Lord Jesus Christ in between two common criminals, two men who deserved what they were getting. But not so our Lord. He deserved none of it. The only reason he suffered was because of us and the severity of our sin. And then the third thing we see tonight concerning the crucifixion is that the crucifixion was the death of a king. And did you notice this was Pilate's testimony of Jesus? Verse 19, Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. It was written in Aramaic and Latin and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews. But rather this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. This inscription that Pilate put above the Lord stated plainly that this Jesus of Nazareth was the king of the Jews. The Messiah, the one, again, as we have seen tonight, who had been prophesied about years before this very moment. And as the chief priest always did, they did not like this. How dare he say he's the king of the Jews. This was a testimony to the whole world. This title was written in Hebrew. It was written in the language of the Jews. It was also written in Greek, the the language of the educated world. It was written in Latin, the language of the Romans. All who were gathered around the cross could read that title in his own language. And how did that come to pass? Well, by the providence of God. Again, listen to Calvin. He says, but the providence of God, which guided the pen of of Pilate had a higher object in view. It did not indeed occur to Pilate to celebrate Christ as the author of salvation and the Nazarene of God and the king of a chosen people. But God dictated to him this commendation of the gospel. Though he knew not the meaning of what he wrote. It was the same secret guidance of the spirit that caused the title to be published in three languages For it is not probable that this was an ordinary practice. But the Lord showed by this preparatory arrangement that the time was now at hand when the name of His Son should be made known throughout the whole earth. And that name was made known that day. 
not just there in Israel and Jerusalem, but throughout the whole earth. Jesus, the king of the Jews, but he's not only the king of the Jews, but he is king of the world. He is Lord over all. He is creator of all things. He is God come in the flesh who suffered and died for the sins of his people. And so what application can we make tonight? First, we see how God decreed the death of his son. Now, God has decreed all things which come to pass. God decreed the fall. Some people don't like to hear that, but it is true. If God is sovereign, He decreed the fall of man into that estate of sin and misery, yet He did so in such a way that He's not the author of sin. Can we fully explain it? No, but that is what God, the Scriptures teach us. But God also decreed the solution and the answer to our sin. God decreed that those who come to Christ, would be saved through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. He has decreed that those who come to Christ have had their sins done away with at the cross. And it is at the cross, by the decree of God, that we see the justice and mercy of God coming together in a way that we do not see in any other part of redemptive history. It was the justice of God that was poured out upon Jesus. Again, three hours of darkness, suffering the sins of His people, suffering in full for every sin that those who would come to faith in Christ had ever committed. And there is Christ going through it all, suffering that wrath, that justice of God. But it is also at the cross that we see because Jesus suffered the wrath and justice of God, we can know and experience the mercy of God. You see, this was the only way by which men could be saved. And this too had been decreed before the foundation of the world. Second, we see in the severity of sin and the punishment of Christ that God does not look upon sin lightly. Every sin, no matter how small or how great, deserves death. Every sin, no matter how small or how great, deserves the judgment and wrath of God. And you see, either our sin has been transferred to Christ and He has died for our sins and in so His righteousness imputed to us or our sin is still upon us. And therefore, God's wrath hangs over our head. At the cross, we see how God deals with sin. Death, the wages of sin is death, Paul says. That's what sin deserves. It deserves death and spiritual death. It is because of sin that we physically die as long as the Lord tarries in His second coming, that we will face the grave. Sin brings death, and we see that in the death of Christ. We see in the death of Christ that God cannot, because of His holiness, look upon sin. When Jesus was suffering the wrath of God, Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
The countenance of the father was turned away from the son as he suffered the wages of sin. Third, we see that Jesus is king. He was king over Israel. He is king over all. But is he king over your life here this evening? You call Christ not only your Lord and your Savior, but your King. Realize the severity of your sin before God here this evening and repent of that sin. And as you repent, you turn to the Lord Jesus who died on the cross for the sins of all who would turn to Him in faith because He is the King of the Jews. He is the King of the Gentiles. He is King and Lord over all. But He is the Savior of all who will come to Him. You see, He is King and Lord over every person. He's Creator. Now, the unbelieving heart doesn't recognize Jesus as King or Lord. Only those who know Jesus as our Savior do we recognize Him as King, Lord, and Savior of our lives. But one day this whole world will understand who Jesus is. When He comes in His glory and He comes in His second coming, not to die, that has already been done. We heard tonight, it is finished. There's nothing left, is there? There's nothing left for us to do. There's nothing left for Jesus to do. It is done It is finished. He breathed his last and his spirit went to be with his father and his body was put in the grave for three days. There's nothing left for us to do for our salvation. And so in his second coming, he will not come for that salvation. He will come in judgment. He will come to judge the quick and the dead. He will come to judge all of those who have not placed their faith and trust in Him. And then they too will suffer the wrath of God. Not just for three hours, but for all eternity. And so realize this evening your need of Christ. And that without Christ as your Lord and Savior and without acknowledging acknowledging Him as King, it means that you are still in need of the salvation of God. And that only comes through Jesus. Again, there are so many tonight who are trying to earn their way there. We cannot earn anything because Christ has earned it for us. And so we are called to come and to bow before this king to bow before the the Lord of all and the Savior of all who will come to him and bow before him and repent of our sin and put our faith and trust in him and when we do that all of our sins have been placed upon him we will not suffer for one moment the wrath of God because Jesus suffered it on our behalf And he suffered it in full, drinking down the full cup of God's wrath to save the worst of sinners. May God add his blessing to the reading.
hearing and preaching of His Word. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank You tonight for the death of Jesus. For it is only by His death that we are saved. It is only by His death that we have been made right with You and we are reconciled to You, O God, whom we have offended and and whom we offend every day. We thank you that as we turn to Jesus and we turn from our sins, that our sins are forgiven, that your justice has been satisfied, and that we know tonight of your mercy. Lord, I pray if there are any here tonight that need to have your justice satisfied for their sins, Lord, call them to your Son. Do so by your Holy Spirit. Show them their sin, and how it deserves death and your wrath. And then, O God, show them your wrath being poured out upon your Son to save them and to redeem them by the blood of Jesus. We pray all of this in His name. Amen.